Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We're glad that you are with us. We hope you enjoy this program. We do it every week. We try to bring you interviews that are both local and Catholic, so you can kind of get to know more people in uh, your local world. And sometimes we like to highlight uh, ourselves and and, uh, people on the staff uh, and even their family members. And so that's what we're doing this time. Uh, My name is Dave Palmer, Executive Director here at the Guadalupe Radio Network, along with Sizzle Anderson, our assistant, what, what, North Texas, North Texas assistant, assistant, and yes. also, of course, work in Tyler in Kansas and all the various places we have uh, wonderful stations uh, of the Guadalupe Radio Network. So, welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not normally on this show. This is exciting. Yeah, and uh, this is a neat uh, opportunity because your two siblings are here in studio with us, uh, Tova and Willem. Uh, and if you, dear listener, don't know, uh, Cecil is the is one of those middle children, right? Four unfortunate uh, souls in the middle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> highly psychologically and emotionally damaged yes, from being a middle yes, child. Absolutely. I know all about it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyways, the older sister uh, Tova and younger brother Willem, and you guys, I, I really admire you because you really are a close family, and you really do love each other, and that's cool. Yes, yeah. We uh, we're in this stage of life where we're now roommates and siblings. We, you know, you live in a house together with your parents for growing up and now we live the three of us alone mm-hmm. together and it's a very interesting transition and so yeah we have to like each other a little bit just so we don't like <laughs> kill each other <laughs> while we're living together yeah all right well the, the, the main topic and the reason why to, uh, Sissel's siblings are here is because uh, they just recently got back from a nearly week-long pilgrimage to the shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico City and I'm so jealous because I've never been there and I'd love to go sometime uh, Tova is here and uh, Tova you actually won this at a GRN event uh, almost exactly two years ago right uh, tell us the circumstances of winning the pilgrimage yeah so um, I've always loved Catholic radio and obviously Cecil working here but um, it was very exciting I was um, at um, the summer speaker series in 2019 Um I was thinking to myself when I was there, oh, you know what? I haven't made a donation in a while. And I thought, this is a great time to do it. Um, I had made a donation and, you know, wasn't really um, 100% thinking about, oh, this is part of a drawing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And um, lo and behold, um, my name was drawn and I realized, oh, my gosh, it's a pilgrimage. (laughs) Wow, this is amazing. Um, And so um, found out it was to the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And personally, that was also really cool because I actually had been um, saving up for a pilgrimage. I'd really wanted to go on one. So, yeah, that was like, wow, that's really amazing. Um, um, Initially, um, Cecil at um, a certain point was wanting to go on the Camino. And I was thinking I was going to take maybe my dad or my brother. And I thought, maybe, you know what, since I've saved up a little bit, I'll buy an additional ticket. While Cecil's gone, we'll go um, to the shrine. And then COVID happened and a number of things. But um, we're just so happy that we were finally able to go. And um, it ended up being the three of us. Yeah, so. that is cool. And Willem, you're a college student, University of Dallas. And I know that's a pretty busy life, but summertime, you get a little bit of free time. So were you pretty excited to be included in this? Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun on this trip. 
Yeah, so you you took off, uh, I guess, on a Saturday and came back on a Friday, so nearly a week. And uh, Cecil has related some of the interesting stories, yes. <laughs> uh, arriving at the hotel and nobody seeming to know, you know, yeah, who the, you were or, or what, what. But it's about forty five minutes where we were alone in Mexico, not knowing what was happening. <laughs> yeah, but I always say, you know, those kind of things, even the those kind of moments when things didn't happen perfectly, are, are great memories because oh, yeah. if everything go smoothly well how much fun is that so uh what i'm, I'm just curious uh, from either y'all just jump in uh just your, your 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 general takeaway from the the week in mexico city or maybe some of the highlights or uh, uh what, what, what 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 how was it for you um toby you want to go first sure <clears throat> Um, I think, you know, first and foremost, um, being able to be right there with um, the tilma of Juan Diego and seeing the late shrine, um, the whole shrine and um, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, that was just unbelievable because um, my dad has read a ton about that and told us, and obviously this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Um, it was just, oh my gosh, I yeah, we went several times to see it and it was just so amazing to be like, wow, I'm actually in the presence of that. That was that was amazing. Um, and then just seeing all the um, gorgeous um, churches that um, were all throughout and around Mexico City, um, just um, to see the faith of the people. Just I was amazed so many times like we'd be there, you know, maybe during the day. So it'd be like a daily mass. And there was mm-hmm. just a lot of people in the church, even with all the covid restrictions and everything. It was just seeing the faith and then just the beautiful, beautiful architecture that has lasted hundreds of years and kind of just seeing how the faith has been there. It was incredible. And then hearing all the history on top of which, some of like Mexico's history and yeah, just very blown away. Feel very mm-hmm. blessed. Well, and tell us about the actual shrine. I, I honestly, I don't even think I've seen a picture of it. So I, I want to uh, kind of imagine what it's like as you go. It's one of the most visited places, I think, in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Mexico has a lot of people. Mexico City itself, I think, has, what, nearly 20 million <laughs> yeah. uh, people. So even if just they went, uh, it would be very busy. But what, what were, you know, actually going to the shrine? Tell, tell us your experience there. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, it's at this huge court area with tons of churches besides uh, the basilica, and you saw a lot of the historical sites with uh, Juan Diego. And uh, we also, our tour guide told us that uh, supposedly it's the most visited Catholic shrine in the world. Mm. And when the, the Pope was there, there were just so many people um, at that area. But the basilica itself was built in around the 70s, and the design was really cool because it has tons of openings so that you can be from almost anywhere and you can see the image. You can be way outside and you can see the image. You can be inside, and then they have a <clears throat> a special uh, area where you can go into the side and walk underneath kind of the church and then you'll be on this conveyor belt and while you're on the conveyor belt you have a right uh, close-up look to the image make sure everyone gets a chance how, how fast did the conveyor belt it was i mean actually pretty fast i'm not gonna lie like I, one of those those things at the airport yeah, right, yes. that, that, about that fast, about that fast oh really actually. okay the people mover is that what it is yeah, like? yeah absolutely and i think that's because like Willem said it's one of those you know visited sites that they have and so they have to keep those people moving is their yeah. idea i think and so there's the three or four conveyor belts that you just get on and you're kind of like what are we doing oh there's an image (laughs) 
<laughs> you're like, oh, I gotta like pay attention. So that's why we did it several times. You go run around again and go back on. Um, yeah. You're like, okay, this like, time. Like, it sounds like like riding the Titan yeah, yeah, yeah. at Six Flags or something. <laughs> let's let's do it. Let's do it again. Yeah. Because like the first time you're like, I just want to stare at it. And yeah. then another time you're like, I just want to pray. And another right. time you're like, okay, let me grab a picture. <laughs> right. You know, I, I don't know if you had this experience. I took a Danube Riverboat cruise uh, in 2019, and we go into uh, these amazing, amazing churches, you know, like the St. Stephen's Basilica in, in Austria, in Vienna, Austria, where mm. Mozart was married there. And, and it was just amazing. But, but it, it's so touristy that sometimes the solemnity is lost. And mm. I don't know if you were able to get beyond that. Sometimes I had to remind myself myself i'm in a church because right. you're walking around with all these people taking pictures and you know and you have to say okay i'm not just a tourist i'm a i'm a pilgrim were, were you able to really make this a, a deep spiritual experience either of you well one uh special circumstance was because this is still uh in COVID times and mexico is quite far behind the united states on a lot of restrictions and so there was not a lot of other people besides uh mexicans but there were still a number of mexican tourists going going there so i think it would we had an advantage going at this time there wasn't a lot of people from like internet international from all over the world it mm. was only just just probably just a few of us at the shrine uh, at the time but uh i i still i think we got um uh, at least some spiritual stuff, and we ha- were able to stop quite a bit uh, to go visit the sites and pray and do all that sort of things. Yeah. Cicel told me that you were the only pilgrims <laughs> in this group, which is really uh, uh, remarkable to think that uh, sometimes this particular guide might have had what, up to 60 people. 60 yeah. people and <laughs> He had you all. It so, was us. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that's, I mean, that, that's really a, probably not going to ever happen again. I mean, that, that's, uh, did, did you find that to be an advantage, Tova, or what did to, to be, I mean, it's almost kind of weird. It's like, we're the yeah. only ones, right? Yeah, so actually it was a funny circumstance. We first meet our guide and, um, it, you know, it was great to kind of get to know him. And then we're kind of like, hmm, I wonder when the other people are going to show up. Um, and then this is like, Never. Um, the guide is like, you know, we have a bit of a small group this time. So we're going to have some more flexibility. And so I was like, wait. By small group, what do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, oh, just you three. And oh, they were like, wow. oh, okay. <laughs> and, you know, initially I was like, oh, well, I was thinking we're going to meet these other Americans and that would be kind of fun. But after a while, I was like, wait a second, this is fantastic. We have our own guide. How expensive and, you know, otherwise yeah. complicated that would be to arrange to get a guide just for you. And it was like, it was amazing. How cool so, that he didn't cancel it. You I, know. I know. Seriously. Yeah. Well, it was actually the first trip. Uh, to Mexico that that particular tour group had done since the pandemic. So I think they really needed yeah. that trip to happen. And so, because yes. that's, that's another reason why we thought there was going to be more people is because on their website, they say, if there's not enough people, we'll cancel. Yeah. And we're like, wait, is three people enough people? Okay. Apparently so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so we enjoyed that a lot. What about other than the shrine? What were the other great, you know, uh, sites or, you know, I mean, it, it could be, you know, restaurants or other shrines <laughs> oh, or churches. Oh, we talked a long time or, about restaurants. Uh, yeah. So what were the other, what the things that you you think you'll always remember? Well, I will say that I think um, there was, a, there's a couple of other beautiful holy sites um, that we got to visit that maybe Tover Willem can touch on as well. But there's another church approved, Mary, smaller Marian apparition that happened about an hour, two hours from Mexico City or something like that. And then there's also the only, um, St. Michael, the Archangel apparition outside of Europe that happened in Mexico as well. Oh, really? So those are two very beautiful cities and churches that have a beautiful devotion to those. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was 
really, really cool. But we also got to see some of the historical sites like the um, the what is the pyramids of the sun and the moon and just learning about how the culture went from, um, you know, a very not atheist, but very different religion to going to how Christianity was brought to them, Mm -hmm. how Catholicism was brought by religious brothers and stuff like that. So just learning about that was probably one of my highlights. Yeah. You know, the the story of of St. Juan Diego... You know, traveling. I guess he had a sick uncle, and he's traveling, and the 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 Blessed Virgin meets him, and then one day he, he diverts his path so he can avoid her. And did 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 they actually show you where the actual apparitions happened, or was it right there at the shrine, or or do, were you able to pinpoint his path, or you know that kind of pinpoint accuracy of where he was, or? Yeah, for the most part, you were. So it's interesting because when you hear the story, you just think things are a little bit further apart than they actually are. Now, yeah. of course, at the time, I think there was more of a giant hill in between, but they've kind of flattened that since that now. Uh, it's a pretty large complex that the shrine is on, and Tova Wilm could correct me if I'm wrong about this, but it 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 we were able to see the the chapel where the well that Mary started is just you know I don't know. 300 yards from the basilica or something mm-hmm. like that and so you can you do get to follow his journey that way yeah yeah what about just the the mexican people the overall experience the you know was it real congested do you feel like you're in you know a huge city or uh, yeah, the language barrier any other those other kind of cultural um takeaways will them anything stand out well, we definitely had uh, a lot of fun with the language barrier <laughs> because <laughs> many times we would try to order things. Like, for instance, we ordered, uh, tried to order coffee, coffee, and um, somehow we said C, but it sounded like T, so we got T instead <laughs> for more morning. And no T, C. Stupid Americans. <laughs> yep. So that was that was interesting. Also, something else that's. Uh, unique about Mexico City is that it was once an island. And so the structure and all of the uh, foundation is really, really bad. Everything is leaning, including all, all the churches. And this one uh, convent that also doubles as a church that anyone can go to is uh, has this really bad um, uh, leaning to where when you enter, I almost fell over. And, and, and leans towards the altar, which is really wow. funny because on the wooden seat that you are, if you fall asleep during mass, there's a very good chance you'll fall out of your seat. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, another reason not to fall asleep during mass. <laughs> yep, right? yep. I'm pretty sure the nuns did it on purpose to get you know Keep so anyone awake. Yeah, enters the church. Yeah, yeah Willem well, just suddenly squats down and puts his water bottle on the ground. And we just watch it quickly roll away. And we're wow. like, oh no! Wow, that's amazing. If you're just joining us, uh, this is the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network, and uh, Cecil Anderson is our uh, North Texas Guadalupe Radio Network assistant, and her two siblings, Tova and Willem, are here, and they just recently came back from a uh, five, six-day pilgrimage to the Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico City that uh, Tova had won at a Summer Speaker Series event back in 2019, and uh, what, what a great opportunity. And uh, Tova, you mentioned that, uh, one of y'all mentioned that your dad is a great devotee of uh, this and the history of it. And I'm just wondering uh, how much of a learning experience it was. Because I, I feel like I kind of know the story pretty well, but um, uh, anything you learned about that period of history back in 1531 that maybe was kind of eye-opening to you that you didn't already know or anything stand out is just from a historical standpoint? Or, you know, Willem, you can jump in as well. Um, let me see. Um it, it felt like all throughout the pilgrimage, there were so many things that were um, 
I don't know how to put it. Um, there was so much information. So let me think about that for a moment. I oh. I think that one of the things that I don't know about you all, you could chime in if this was something that you knew or didn't know, but I think it was interesting about how soon the devotion took off of Our Lady of Guadalupe and how um, how quickly it not only with the Catholic people in the area, but also the Aztec people quickly uh-huh. had a devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe and how quickly within the next like 80 years that grew right yeah. after the event. Yeah, and, and Mexican history is so interesting. You know, even a hundred years ago, they are under, they were under severe persecution. Mm-hmm. And you would think that, uh, in that country, everybody would just be Catholic and happy, but, uh, boy, they've had some, some rough times. And it's, it's, it's really fascinating. And we don't really have anything like that in the U.S. I mean, you think about some spiritual, you know, apparition that the, the really the whole country knows about in the, in, and, and I, I I don't know what we would have that that would compare to it here, and 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 I, I just wonder if you got a sense from the Mexican people of of what this means to them. If this is something that they that really does bind them, generally speaking, that Our Lady Guadalupe, or is it just for you know a small segment of faithful Catholics there that you really have a great devotion? Did you get any kind of sense about that or what this means to the nation? I I think um, like. Quite a bit. Um, one thing I will say from maybe a more um, devotion side, um, I know when we attended Mass at the Shrine on Sunday, one of the things I was so amazed because of COVID re- regulations, they could only let so many people in. So we were actually standing outside. We could hear and see pretty well, though. Um, I was just amazed how quiet and reverent everyone was who mm-hmm. was attending. And I think that was really beautiful. Um, maybe from more of a historical perspective, we were also told that um, – the image was also kind of a symbol for them for the Mexican Revolution as well. So they, they I think they take it both and that, you know, that very beautiful thing of like um, God's love towards them and Our Lady appearing and, you know, bringing them to Christ. But also maybe um, because there's so much in um, that image that kind of speaks to their own past also kind of in a way more than in a way I couldn't even see as an American, it kind of. Um, is very Mexican to them, I think, mm-hmm. as well. They yeah. actually, another thing we learned, I think, about it is that the, uh, is it an eagle at the bottom of the image? Oh, yeah. They angel, <laughs> Later on, angel. it was an angel, sorry. Yes, uh, the, yes. the angel wings later on, um, they painted to look like the Mexican flag. <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> and then they, I think they took it off afterwards. Like they realized they, they, they like to they like, put the co- different, you know, red. Yeah, because the angel is uh, they got like the the moon right yes, and yes, the angel yes, holding yes. it yeah, up. Yeah, and, and the so. wings they painted to look like the Mexican flag. And then I later on they were like, that I wasn't know. quite appropriate. Let's yeah. take that off. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> so I thought that was that. kind of funny. <laughs> All right, let me ask a, a, a somewhat superficial question, but it's uh, I think it uh, maybe people were wondering, but how was the food? Did you get some good authentic Mexican food? there it wasn't like you know taco bueno or taco bell right <laughs> it <laughs> was, was it good it was excellent we had so much amazing food there um the first one of the first dishes i had that i loved a lot was this enchilada that uh was wrapped with had banana inside of it and then on top for the sauce it was mole and that was really really good and mm. mole is sort of like a bittersweet uh chocolate uh, sauce that's also kind of savory on the put on many, many dishes, and it was it was excellent. Mm, mm-hmm. Wow, 
so devotion to Our Lady Guadalupe. Uh, I've always loved Our Lady Guadalupe, but now when you see her image, it's probably all very different now, now that you've it been is. there, right? How, how does that, that change you in your relationship with Our Lady? Don't all speak at once now. <laughs> <laughs> Sibling communication is excellent sometimes. Well, I could say I'll go and then we can all go. I, uh, For me, I think not only every time I see her, I'm going to be reminded about the trip and I'm going to be also pondering a lot on the prayers that we brought with us to Mexico. We asked all of our friends and family for prayer requests. So we had uh, several pages of prayers. And I just remember asking for Our Lady's intercession on all those prayer requests throughout that trip. And so I feel like now every time I see an image of Our Lady, I'll just remember a whole bunch of people to pray for as well mm-hmm. and ask her for her to pray for. So, Yeah, very nice. Uh, anything else, Willem, Tova, anything come to mind as far as uh, your own you know, spiritual walk or devotion to Our Lady Guadalupe and any, any, uh, any comments on that? Um, so I am actually, um, trying to complete, um, a Marian consecration. I was doing that, um, through the pilgrimage. Um, and I think it was just, um, such an amazing reminder of like Mary's motherhood. Just, just thinking about, you know, um, I imagine a lot of people in Europe at that time were kind of like, oh, there are people over there, but that Mary just so much, that just reflection kept coming back to me, just like such love for the people just like these are people who they could be lost and she wanted to be there for Mm -hmm. them and then hearing about another church approved um uh miracle that an apparition of mary that happened later on when these people are you know coming and they're you know they're converting and it's wonderful but they're getting very sick from all this diseases with the spaniards coming etc um and that our lady appears again and offers healing water so that they can be healed like just seeing that kind of um, beautiful care of Mary um, to bring us closer to Jesus was like I, I, very touching. Yeah, very so. nice. Uh, well, we've got a few minutes remaining until we got to wrap this up. And so any other closing comments? Uh, we're talking uh, to uh, the Anderson gang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cecil and Tova and Willem, uh, Cecil's uh, siblings, and they made a pilgrimage recently to the Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico City and came back and I just thought, hey, it'd be nice to, you know, to talk to them and, and get their takeaways or anything like that. So any, um, maybe some people are on the fence and thinking, you know, maybe this is something we should do. We should take a pilgrimage down there. I'm guessing you would recommend that it's so, it's so close. It's mm. not as far as going to Fatima or Lourdes or some of these other places, the Holy Land. Uh, and, uh, you, y'all would recommend it for people, I'm guessing. Yeah. And I think, uh, one of the things, uh, we were thinking about was, Going to Mexico was all, all the corruption, all the crime, and all the uh, problems that, unfortunately, Mexico is dealing with. But I would have to say, I felt surprisingly safe being in Mexico City and walking around. Like, I've been in many uh, large cities in the United States, and some of them actually felt worse in yeah. the United States than being in Mexico City. Because the people there are very friendly, and they're like, you know, they they uh, will generally uh, let you... Uh, you know, have do your own business, and it's not. Um, it's very much a, a very friendly culture, very uh, 
um, I felt very welcome there, and it was mm-hmm. totally awesome. Yeah, and you got to understand the conversion of what pesos to uh, dollars. And when you <laughs> yeah, see yes. something that says it's, it's five hundred dollars, it's not five hundred dollars. Twenty five dollars, you're okay. <laughs> 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 20, like twenty to one is that it's the roughly? It's roughly. more like nineteen yeah. point something or other. Willem probably knows the exact number, but um, yeah. Yeah. roughly. I was this little uh, professional converter on every sort of metric, <laughs> like kilometers, miles per hour, and pesos. And I'm like, Willem, what, what is the? So what you had a conversion experience. Is that what yeah. you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is the formula for this? Will help me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, no. So I would highly recommend it. It's a two-hour flight here from Dallas, just over two hours. It's not, and but then wow. you're in a whole other world, and it's beautiful. And you will go there. You will see people making the sign of the cross everywhere you go. You will see the image of Our Lady Guadalupe up in restaurants, in um, gas stations, just everywhere. And mm-hmm. I think that's really beautiful. So I would highly recommend it. All right. Very good. Uh, and thank you, uh, Tova and Willem and Sissel. Again, uh, uh, just fresh back from the Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico City, a big uh, five, six-day pilgrimage that they did, uh, which Tova had won at the Summer Speaker Series event. And uh, So thanks so much for coming in. Appreciate you all telling us about your experience. And uh, Sissel, this wraps up our interview of the week us co-hosting <laughs> i think i think it went well so i think it did and we always say that if you have suggestions for future interviews of the week we always like to hear from you if you're uh listening in the tyler area you can uh just email k-e-e-s at grnonline.com if mm-hmm. you're listening in north texas you can email uh, k-a-t-h at grnonline.com and just say, hey, I heard your interview of the week and I know something cool going on where we are and why don't you all do an interview with it about this and we really appreciate your tips because uh, that's how we learn about nice things that are going on in the local Catholic world. So thanks so much uh, for listening and supporting Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. Donors who give through the Catholic Foundation recognize us as a trusted philanthropic leader. For 65 years, our stewardship has helped satisfy donors' intentions while meeting the needs of the Catholic community. One area of great importance to us is Catholic education. Over the years, the Catholic Foundation has provided millions of dollars in tuition assistance and scholarship grants to 75 different schools. Those funds enable students from kindergarten to college to receive a Catholic education. Last year, we issued more than 2,000 grants worth nearly $23 million for various initiatives. Of those, 68% were distributed within the Diocese of Dallas, and 77% of those grants were for efforts that specifically involve Catholic causes and institutions. Because we serve charitable people of all kinds, contact us at 972-661-9792 or go to catholicfoundation.com. Together, we are the Foundation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Glad you're with us. Diane Xavier is running the board. I'm Dave Palmer, the host. And uh, this program, as you likely know, is where we just talk about interesting things and uh, maybe introduce you to people that are helping to build up the body of Christ here in North Texas, the intersection between North Texas and our Catholic faith. And today I am going to introduce you to one of our wonderful principals of our local Catholic school in Richardson, and her name is Courtney Demakis, and she is entering into her second year as principal of St. Paul Catholic Classical School, located at 720 South Floyd Road in Richardson. 
And, of course, there's a parish there. We've uh, had Father John and Father Timo, uh, Father Stokowski and Father Timo uh, in for talking about various things. They're the priests there, but uh, according to Makis, is the principal. And this is her second year, as I mentioned. And their website, spsdfw.org, as in St. Paul School DFW.org, if you want to visit them. We'll mention that a few times during the course of the interview. And so, uh, Courtney Demakis, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I visited the website and I saw the bio about you and uh, some interesting things. But first of all, you're married, you've got kids. Tell, can you tell us a little bit about your personal life? Yes, I'm married. I have a wonderful husband, Michael, um, and a son, Chase. He'll be going into fifth grade at St. Paul. Um, I was able to raise him, for, uh, stay at home with him when he was little. And then when it was time to go for him to go to kindergarten, I went with him. We went together and um, started Catholic school together that way. So yeah, he's been, what, we've been together ever since as, as far as school goes. But He's always been at the school. Now, what does he think about having mom as principal? <laughs> <laughs> um, he just kind of takes it in stride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to make yeah make sure to not, yeah, that, that's interesting. So my mom's the principal. That must be neat. Yeah. Uh, you're a big sports fan. Aren't yes. you? Yeah. So, uh, tell us about that. And you have an interesting thing of, you like going to stadiums or baseball fields or, uh, tell us, tell us about your interest in sports. Yes. So when, um, whenever we travel, my husband and I and, and Chase, uh, we enjoy going to baseball parks, uh, uh, major league stadiums. Uh, we're huge baseball fans. And so we have traveled to at least 21 ballparks, um, all major leagues, uh, stadiums all over the country. Um, mainly we've focused on the East Coast and Midwest and hopefully in the next couple of years we'll get out to the West Coast. Mm, what's your favorite one? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> Wrigley's always a good favorite. Wrigley, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. And you have uh, 17 years of education experience, public schools, Catholic schools. Uh, uh, tell us about some of the highlights of your you know, educational career. So I started in Arlington with Arlington ISD and worked my way over to this area and uh, coached and taught in Plano and Allen. Um, like I said, I stayed home for a while with my son, and then we went to Catholic school. And for the last four years, I've been uh, in Catholic schools, actually five now, being at St. Paul's, counting this mm-hmm. year. Um, but I was at St. Martin in Prosper, uh, Texas, for four years, and uh, then made my way over to St. Paul's. Yeah, and uh, University of Notre Dame grad. Yes. And big fan of all things Notre Dame, huh? Absolutely. Go Irish. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So let's uh, talk about the school, St. Paul Catholic uh, Classical School. This is a, a unique type of curriculum, isn't it? Uh, to, well, and, and it was just implemented last year. You're in a kind of a three-year program of, of kind of setting it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's distinct about St. Paul and then this classical curriculum. Yes, absolutely. The classical curriculum is, is amazing. It's it's almost uh, like we're going back to uh, the way things always used to be yeah. uh, before all the new trends came out. And going to this classical curriculum, we're, we take our Catholic identity and put Christ at the center of everything even further than um, other schools do. Uh, we're able to actually implement that in our class. We look for the truth, the beauty, the goodness in everything um, down to our resources and uh, like specifically our literature. You know, mm-hmm. we use the good books, the classics, because we want our students to appreciate the beauty of the written word. Yeah. Um, we were talking uh, yesterday in our professional development session, like 
we look at, most teachers have lesson plans and they have an objective at the top of their lesson plan. We look for the truth. We want to know what truth are we teaching our student that day. Yeah. And since Christ is our truth and our way, that truth is, leads us to Christ. Yeah. Is this what uh, attracted you to the school or how did you, um, you, you were at St. Martin de Porres and then this, uh, mm-hmm. why, why did you think you were a good fit to be the principal of the school or what's, you, what is your background in this kind of a curriculum? Uh, at St. Martin, um, they were a classical school um, in the Fort Worth Diocese, and so it gave me a little bit of background in that, and when um, I was called and asked to apply for the position, it's just like, this is, this is where I need to be. Um, this is the, the curriculum I feel most comfortable with and yeah. definitely want to continue to expand. I want my child to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And all the teachers had to kind of transition as well. Mm-hmm. And that all went last year as your first year as principal. So how, how did that go? Did it seem like it was an easy transition for most of them? Or uh, uh, how was that for them? Well, the beauty of it is most of our teachers have been there um, 15 to 20 years. So they yeah. have a long history with the school. And most of them were already teaching in the classical manner. Yeah. Um, they've already adopted that philosophy. It just didn't have a name to it. Mm-hmm. So um, it, the transition has been um, pretty uh, easy, fluid. Um, we still have a long way to go as far as uh, little uh, tweaks here and there. But um, they started professional development sessions, training sessions last summer, and it has continued. Um, we do a couple every couple months. And uh, ICLE, the um, Institute for Catholic Liberal Education, comes down and helps us as the organization we've partnered with mm-hmm. um, to adopt this curriculum. They provide the trainings for us. Um, they were actually here just the last two days doing a session on memetic teaching for us, um, which is a way that the teachers do comparison and ask questions and ask our students to um, ask questions of the lesson and incite the wonder that we want them to be to, to experience and mm-hmm. to um, grow their learning. We want them to be excited to learn by asking those questions. Yeah. So, Socrat- it, Socratic type of method? Is absolutely. that uh, a lot of back and forth and seeking the truth, as you said, right? And, absolutely. Uh, yeah. A lot of questioning, a lot of asking questions, you know, start with the bigger picture. Um, for example, our kindergartners, you know, they go outside and they look at a tree. Now we start asking, well, what's this piece? What's the leaf? What's the stem? Yeah. What's inside the leaf? And the learning happens through the question. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds kind of, I, I teach uh, Thomistic philosophy, and there's a lot of that kind of that natural uh, awareness, um, uh, observation. You know, it's it sounds very intriguing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you're just joining us, Courtney Demakis is the principal of St. Paul Catholic Classical School in Richardson, located at 720 South Floyd Road in, in Richardson. And their website, uh, spsdfw.org. And I guess this is running on a Saturday. This coming Monday, the Texas Catholic is going to be featuring you in, in the Texas Catholic. So did they come out and do an interview with you and spend some time? Or, uh, can you tell people if they're, if they're getting this uh, publication, what they can expect on Monday? Uh, it's a beautiful article actually written by our, our, uh, one of our staff members. And she just beautifully describes what classical education is. Uh, there's definitely pictures in there of our students, um, hands on in the garden, learning garden. Nature studies is a big part of, of the classical curriculum. So there'll be um, pictures featuring our students doing that and, and telling the beautiful story of our school moving to the classical curriculum through the three year transition period of how we're implementing, uh, changes in curriculum resources, the literature pieces this first year focusing on literature and history, and then next year moving into math and science. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, is it pre-K through eighth or what, what are the grades? We are pre-K three through eighth grade. Okay. And how, uh, after your first year of implementing the new curriculum, did the, what kind of feedback did you get from the students and the parents? And, you know, I like this, this is interesting. What, what were they 
they saying? Well, it's very positive. Um, they're excited. Their students are getting that chance to ask the questions, yeah. to be responsible in a way for their own learning. Um, while we provide them and guide them, they're the ones who are excited to learn. They're yeah. like sponges soaking it all up. Yeah. Would it be true to say that even though this is new to St. Paul's, this is kind of the way Catholic education has traditionally been taught, right? And so it's uh, kind of going back to what was successful at one time. And like I think you mentioned it, that mm-hmm. at some point, you know, started getting away from that. Right. It's uh, very traditional education um, going back to the way things were always done for really centuries, um, just bringing us back to what we used to do you have uh, an initiative where student or parents new to catholic education can get a pretty hefty discount on tuition can you tell us about that yes the halo foundation has uh generously sponsored a new incentive program and it is where um, families new to Catholic education have never tried it before if they apply um, and there's no qualifications other than uh, just being new to Catholic education receives the first two years of tuition at 50% discount mm. and, and that's effective uh, this fall? Ex- yes, okay. absolutely and um, so the enrollment campaign that that's a pretty big enrollment campaign now what about somebody who says well I don't know that I don't qualify for that because my kids are or in Catholic education, we're not new to it. Um, is um, can you talk about those folks or what? What uh, we are still welcoming all families yeah. to St. Paul's. Um, we would love to have you come be a part of our school. Uh, there, are, we definitely have other um, financial aid and tuition assistance opportunities. If that's something they need, we're more than willing to sit down with them and talk with them. Um, but this new campaign is specifically designed for new families. Um, we also have tuition referral discounts and. Uh, we would just love to have everybody come get to know us and us to get to know them. Yeah, we'll talk about how what people can do now during the summer because we're really only a, a couple a couple months away from school starting, right? Not, not even not, a couple months. Not that <laughs> to remind you, right? Uh, so what about Catholic identity? You know, when somebody walks through the doors of St. Paul's mm-hmm. Catholic Classical School, how do they know and see and feel and say, wow, this 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 really feels Catholic? Uh, how, how, how do you, as principal, make sure that that's the case? Well, from the moment you walk in the door, you visually see see our Catholic identity. You see the statues throughout the hallway. You see the artwork. That's something as part of the classical school that we're working on even including more is, is artwork of all kinds, the rich Renaissance type of artwork. Um, but you'll see that all through our hallways. You'll see statues in our courtyard. Um, we open the mornings with morning prayer, um, which we also invite our parents to come be a part of. And then, you know, throughout the day, our students are, are saying, are in prayer, um, at the beginning and, um, middle school will be doing prayers every time they start a new class. Uh, and then, you know, throughout the day, they have their religion classes, but the best part is you see it in their classes as well. Mm-hmm. Even their core classes, it, we're talking about it. Um, next year we'll be having Latin, um, in the middle school levels. And so liturgical Latin and liturgical things will be brought into that class as well. Yeah. Um, we ha- have two, two of the best priests out there. They're very involved in our, in our school. Um, if our teachers ask them to come to campus to, uh, speak to the classes, they will be there in a heartbeat. Um, Father Sikowski is, welcome the middle school into the church and showed them everything that need that that they use to um uh celebrate mass with from the mm-hmm. ciboriums to those chasubles everything so that they had a hands-on experience um to see what goes on and what everything means yeah um so it, it's a very unique to have um uh such an experience for our students yeah seems like it's a good preparation not only for high school but maybe those who are thinking about something like University of Dallas 
the president of University of Dallas comes in once a month and does a show. But the kind of this, this classical curriculum is uh, prepares one, well, like uh, as Dr. Freaky says, for, for college and heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a good preparation for life to, to learn how to think and to, to uh, observe beauty and goodness. And so it's a real... I can see how that being a really great asset. Uh, well, with your sports background, tell us about the extracurriculars um, and uh, what kind of things are available as far as sports and other activities. So through our sports, we um, play with the Dallas Parochial Parochial League, the DPL. Um, that pretty much is athletics fifth through eighth grade. Um, your most common sports, football, basketball, track, cross-country, volleyball. Um, new this year, upcoming, we will be implementing an archery program. Um, mm-hmm. And that is for students in grades fourth and up. Uh, it's a very unique sport, very exciting sport. Um, and it's something that all students can pers- participate in um, doesn't matter their ability level whatsoever. So mm-hmm. um, we also offer extracurriculars for drama and band. Um, so we're looking forward to having all those back. Yeah, very nice. And if somebody's interested, and uh, I, mean, I don't, I don't know if a principal gets any time off during the summer. You're probably <laughs> as busy now as you were, you know, two months ago. Uh, can they get a tour? Uh, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, absolutely. Come, come and visit and walk around, or, or what? What should they do? Yes, yeah, just call if you want a tour. Have uh, you may call the office. Um, if we don't answer right away, we are checking our voicemail regularly, so we will get back to you very shortly. Um, but yes, call, ask for a tour. You may also email me or um, the front office and that information's on our website uh, and and we will be happy to set up a tour um, our application is online so you may begin filling that out as well how was it bringing in a new curriculum and then covid and you know you probably had well how was it to have some students doing remote and some in person and you're like oh we're trying to start this new program and we've got this how, how was it last year for that first year in light of the pandemic Oh, it was pretty challenging, but we, we have a great staff and, uh, they, they just embraced what we were doing and they really wanted to make sure our students were safe and, um, taken care of and that they were not, give, not, um, letting down any of their expectations. They were still being held to very high expectations in the classroom. Uh, so we just worked together as a team to get the information we needed to put in our classical curriculum as well as make sure we were all trained on the technology that we needed to be able to offer those virtual um, learners. Yeah. Is this coming fall going to be all in person? Is there going to be a virtual you know, element and option or, or what is going to be the case? At this time, we're not planning to offer a virtual option. We would like to be all in person. Yeah. Um, and that also just works better for our classical curriculum because while we include technology skills, um, we don't rely on it. We don't let it drive us. We provide the students the skills they need um, to succeed in life, but uh, we want to see you in person. We want to write. We want to talk. We want to have those conversations. So. Yeah. Not quite the same being on a Zoom call, is it? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Courtney Dumakis is the second year principal at St. Paul Catholic Classical School. You can find him online, spsdfw.org, located at 720 South Floyd Road in Richardson. And uh, she would love for you to call her, visit, get a tour, uh, see what it's all about. There's also uh, a, pre- a principal's message on the website. And I, and I love this one line. Uh, Courtney, you said, with Jesus at the center of everything we do, students see and understand the truth 
beauty and goodness in all God's creation and Christ's love for us. And that seems kind of like a, that's a, that's a beautiful summary statement of what, what really Catholic education is all, all about. Cause you can learn a thousand things, but if you don't understand Christ's love, then what's the point, right? Right. That's definitely, we want our students to know that. Yeah. Small classes. Right now it's a small school. I think you told me about a hundred students mm-hmm. and hoping for, you know, maybe 30 or 40 more uh, by the time the fall rolls around. Uh, there are advantages in a small school, right? Oh, yes. Um, having those smaller classes, our teachers are able to spend that one-on-one time with students and really connect with each one. They're able to meet them where they are and provide any necessary support that they need and mm-hmm. to help them do well and understand what all the things that we're trying to teach them. Yeah. So we got this uh, three-year implementation of the new curriculum. So what happens after the three years? And it's been fully implemented and what happens in year four? <laughs> year four is uh, nothing is ever fully implemented. There's always yeah. more to learn, more to do. So we will continue to, while the three-year implementation is definitely phases, like I said, history and mm-hmm. literature this first year math and science the the next year and then we're going to focus on languages and all our uh and religion and and you know all the specialist classes um year four we're still just going to continue refining our practices and we'll still be working with icle in order to do that uh st paul's goes back to 1957 even before i was born uh it's a the first catholic school in richardson is that right correct yeah it goes way back and uh, how interesting. So a lot of good, exciting things going on. Um, and again, Courtney Demakis has been my guest, principal, St. Paul Catholic Classical School. Visit them online, spsdfw.org, sps, as in St. Paul School, dfw.org. Anything else you want to mention before we um, close out uh, that I didn't mention or anything else that's unique and special and reason why people need to sign up their kids right now for this school? It's a great little school. It's a family environment. Um, the minute you step on campus, you're going to feel part of our, our family. And generations of, of families have come through. Um, alumni are coming back to teach. They're coming back and bringing their students to our school. So just come check us out and uh, we would love to have you be a part of our family. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming out here and driving all the way from Richardson to be at our, our, our studio. And I do want to thank Michelle Johnson. She is is a marketing specialist for St. Paul Catholic Classical School, and she's the one that reached out and uh, was kind of the the liaison with me and Courtney to, to make this happen. So, Michelle, mm-hmm. thank you very much. I'm sure you're listening. And again, please visit the website and learn about this special school. Uh, you just go to SPS dfw.org spsdfw.org as in St. Paul School dfw.org and learn what uh, the Catholic Classical School curriculum is all about. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Courtney, thanks so much. Great to meet you and thanks for coming by. Thank you for having me. Thanks also to Diane Xavier for running the board and producing the program and thank you for listening and I mentioned Michelle because I love suggestions for interviews. If you're listening right now and you know of a good topic for this program, if it's Catholic and local, it fits and we'd love to talk to you or somebody that you know or some school or organization or effort or event that's going on. Uh, this is a great way to get the word out about that. You can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your weekend, and God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at the same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. 
KTH 910 AM welcomes Emerson on Harvest Hill as a new sponsor. It's a senior living community in North Dallas near St. Rita Parish. Amenities include chef-prepared meals each day, transportation, social and educational events and activities, 24-hour security, and the participation in the sacraments. To learn more about Emerson on Harvest Hill or to arrange a tour and visit, you can contact Karen Ray via email at kray at emersonharvesthill.com or you can visit their website, emersononharvesthill.com. Keeping you informed and inspired. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. News and information, Catholic conversation, inspiration, fun, and prizes are involved. Log on to our website to get all the details, to find all the information, the podcast, the videos, and so much more. GRNonline.com. That's GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Park Car Care is a proud sponsor of KATH 910 AM. Here at Park Car Care, we are devoted to automotive maintenance and repairs for today's family on the go. Are you looking for that personal touch? Someone who will listen to your problem and give you options that are manageable for you? We now have two locations to serve you. For the Euless area, 817-685-2222. And for the North Richland Hills area, 817-281-1388. We're on the web at parkcarcare.com. Thank you and drive safely. Have you heard of My Mutual Mortgage in Grapevine? They're longtime sponsors and supporters of KTH 910 AM and are owned by Bob and Norma Duane, active members of Good Shepherd. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone.